Welcome to this week's marketing show. We're super excited to have Mary Ann Massad. Mary Ann is an author and the founder and CEO of the Gnosis Group, an IT management consulting and managed services firm since 1995. Mary Ann, we're so excited to have you today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Melissa. I really appreciate that. It's nice to be here. Awesome. Well, let's talk about um, leadership. So, you know, we sort of titled today, best-selling author Marianne Massad speaks about leading as a woman in tech. So yeah. let's talk about that. Talk about Gnosis Group. Talk about how you got started and, and let's, let's dive in. Yeah, it's actually a really interesting story, Melissa, because I worked with some of the biggest firms in the world for the first 10 years of my career and I achieved some crazy things, you know, uh, such as winning like a $20 million contract within six months of starting with a company called CGI Group. And, you know, winning a $20 million contract when you've just been with a company for six months, pretty unique, yeah. pretty yeah. unusual. And um, yeah, and I, and I, I worked with a bunch of uh, partners like IBM and I worked for Ernst & Young and I worked with a big outsourcer called Keen in the States. I so I worked with a lot of different uh, companies and um, always did amazing things. And you know what? By and large, I would say tech is an extremely and has been historically an extremely um, supportive environment for women. However, even achieving enormous financial goals like bringing in huge amounts of revenue and, and very profitable contracts sometimes wasn't enough in technology and in big business because there was this culture of, you know, still the old boys network. And I said to my boss, I said, it's time to make me a VP. And you know what he said to me? Uh, we don't think you're ready yet. <laughs> this is after 10 years of experience and, and achieving like the impossible, right? Right, right. So at that moment, my company was born. Mm. And I'm sure for a lot of women in... Um, large corporations where they feel they've hit that glass ceiling, they end up starting their own businesses. So, and that, and that's what happened. And the irony of all that is a couple of years later, that same um, executive VP who told me I wasn't ready yet came knocking on my door, looking for a job. <laughs> and, and I hired him and I, and I hired him because he, he, was, he was very good at what he did. And, he, and he, he enriched our business in a lot of ways. But that's, that's the importance also of building good and strong relationships over decades because you just never know. Your employer may be Absolutely. your employee. Your client may be your employee. Uh, you may be, uh, you know, an employee of your client at some point instead of just, you know, a, a vendor. You have to keep those connections tight. Absolutely. That old never burn a bridge, right? Absolutely. Like, okay, full circle moment. You hired him. Fantastic. Absolutely. Great story. Talk to me a little bit about your book. So your book title, Move from Employee to CEO yeah. of Own Destiny. I thought to myself, you know what? I've done a lot. Why don't I write down what I've done and share it with people so that those people who were in my boat where they, they've had very successful careers, but they feel like they've hit that glass ceiling or they feel like they're not getting that control over their personal life and their work life. Let me, let me sort of share with them uh, what I did, how I did it, so that 
people who want to do that can can find their way. And then I also wanted to walk them through the different stages of running a business because a business never stays the same. And, you know, uh, you may start a business and it may grow dramatically and there may come a time where you actually have to evaluate selling that business. Mm-hmm simply for uh, for many different reasons could be for personal reasons but could also be because as a ceo maybe you don't have the capacity or capability to grow it beyond where it where it's at and if you want it to to continue continue to grow and flourish you have to put your ego aside and be willing to step away from it obviously sell the company and maybe have somebody else step in as ceo so there's there's many factors so i wanted to be basically help people in that boat. And especially I kind of targeted, I targeted the book a lot to women Mm. because we have our own unique challenges, especially at the time. I mean, my kids were uh, younger and, 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 you know, raising children and being an executive is um, it's very challenging. And even, even today with all of the, you know, stuff about diversity and whatever, relationships are still pretty conventional. Women tend to do, you know, more than, more than the balance in terms of, you know, more than the 50%. Absolutely. Absolutely. By and large. So, so I wanted to help women who were thinking about starting a business to give them a head start. That was the whole idea. Awesome. Fantastic. You talked, you talked a bit there about businesses are always changing. Businesses are always changing, right? They are. And especially now, I mean, we've just come through a couple of years of craziness. Oh, yeah. um, talk to me about um, managing successfully your business over the last 27 years, through yeah. almost three decades worth of yeah. economic, you know, ups and downs and all over the place. And you've had to pivot. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting story because, I mean, I think it's something like 1% of all women-owned businesses and uh, end up like successful, like not going bankrupt. Mm. And you got to understand that in our market, we compete with the biggest companies in the world. Like I'm competing against the IBMs, the Deloitte's, the Accenture's, Mm -hmm. uh, the Ernst and Young's. Those are my competitors. And I mean, I'm not a multi-billion dollar company. I don't have the resources in the marketing that they do. But what I do have that they don't have is I have the ability to change very fast, like mm. a chameleon if necessary. And so um, I think the secret to the longevity and the success has been um, listening and changing, listening and changing. So we started during Y2K, it was going like gangbusters, like we couldn't keep up with the demand, which was great. But then after Y2K, we had the whole um, you know internet bubble which I don't know if you remember in like 2000, 2001, that sort of bubble burst and there was some economic uh, fallout. Mm -hmm. And of course, September 11th happened in 2001 as well. And um, we had to transform our business at that point because we were focused predominantly on managing large programs and projects for Y2K. And, you know, it wasn't necessarily relevant anymore to the marketplace. And uh, and given all of the chaos around um, the internet and uh, web-based uh, technologies, we thought, okay, let's focus in on helping technology-based organizations to run like a business. Mm-hmm. 
So what are the best practices, the business processes, the um, the cultural uh, requirements, the organizational requirements from a governance perspective to create that to create that success? So we built a whole practice around that to augment what we already had. And that really took off. Mm. And then we began offering <clears throat> training and education. We also built um, relationships with software companies where we would sell uh, a software that would help to automate something that we had improved. So for example, if we helped to improve you know, incident problem change, release management in a technology-based business, um, we would sell them a solution that would not just like it would automate the improvements that we had made. So that was another element. But then um, around uh, 20, 2010, around 2010 or so, we noticed some huge changes um, in the Canadian marketplace. And of course, they're relevant in the US as well. And that was really the, um, the, euphoria of our clients to outsource and to outsource to offshore companies. In the end, what happened was we decided, hey, we can't do business anymore on a, on a per diem basis or hourly basis, just based on the greatest expertise available to help in a tech area. No, we have to start developing solutions. Mm -hmm. And we have to start developing solutions that are geared to a return on an investment, cost savings, cost avoidance, so we, be, we began packaging up our, our services in, in solutions and offering them on a fixed price basis. So clients no longer talk to us about hourly rates. They talk to us about outcomes. Perfect. And then we could manage our own resources and how we did the work. It was up to us because the client just cared about what the result was. Right. And then we launched a managed services business around software asset management. And it, was an, and it, it is incredibly successful because... My God, we, we save companies tens of millions of dollars on the low end. And in some cases, with one particular client, we, we help to identify about a half a billion dollar risk for them and help them to avoid paying that half a billion dollar risk. We have another client where we've, we've achieved, we've been doing some managed services for them for the last six years. We've achieved over $82 million in cost savings, cost avoidance, um, and, and ROI. $82 million. How many IT companies can say that? Yeah, that's incredible. So, so and, and we keep expanding our services, you know, in the area of data management now, data mesh, um, in the area of um, application portfolio management, the whole idea of, you know, a big company having hundreds if not thousands of applications, how do you automate the whole process of rationalizing those applications? Because you don't need sometimes thousands of applications. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes in those thousands of applications, you need to understand how and, and how they're set up so that maybe you can replicate some of those applications for new requirements as, a, as opposed to developing net new. So right. again, focusing on saving, 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 doing things yeah. in a more intelligent way, yeah. Exactly. So, so that's what we did. We kept, we kept morphing, 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 morphing. And I'm sure we're going to, we're going to morph again because mm -hmm. we're, we're doing a lot of work in the States and that market is a very innovative market and it demands a lot of innovation and a lot of, um, 
dynamism and more so even than the Canadian market. The Canadian market is very conservative, very kind of steady as she goes. But the U.S. market is kind of um, always changing. It's the maverick. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, congratulations on on what you've been doing. That's fantastic. And you talked about being a chameleon, right? Changing on the fly. You have to yeah. listen. You have to change. And and so we were talking before we even uh, started this podcast today um, about drawing on different things, right? Not always. You want to stay focused on your lane, but there's other things you can do. And and I think that kind of leads us into my my next question for you. You know, how do how do you define leadership? And then what do you do? to change, to listen, and, and pivot accordingly. So, um, okay, how I define leadership. And, you know, so much stuff out here. So how do you say something new that's not going to be boring to yes. listeners or your audience? But my focus is to be extremely practical. So a leader for me is somebody who is willing to make the extremely difficult decisions and the unpopular decisions for the greater good mm. of the company. Mm -hmm. Always looking for the best interests of the company and its survival long-term. Sometimes those decisions are not fun and they are not comfortable for the people who work in the company. So that's one thing. The second element of leadership for me is leading by example. Mm. You can't, you can't tell your employees um, they have to do certain things, but you're not willing to do them mm. as a CEO. Absolutely. You, you have to be willing to get your hands dirty, roll up your sleeves. You have to show a lot of humility as a leader, a lot. I think the more humble you are, the greater the leader you are. So um, getting caught up in that whole ego trap and, you know, thinking, oh, I'm just going to delegate this. I'm just going to, well, yeah, you have to delegate 100%. But you also have to have your people see that you're delegating, but you know what? You are doing similar things, maybe on a, on a bigger scale. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the other element is in order to be a really strong leader, you have to be able to move the ball forward in the football game. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're doing all those things that I just mentioned, you know, you're inspiring and you're leading by example, you're making the difficult decisions, but you have no results. Um, I don't think you're a particularly effective leader. Mm -hmm. You have to have the results. You got to have the bottom line results, the customer satisfaction. You have to have the responsiveness to dealing with uh, challenges. And, and then again, showing a positive turnaround. If you don't have all those things to me, you're not, you're not an effective leader. I agree. So who do you look to for inspiration and, and mentorship and, and as, a, as a leader? Like you're a leader yourself. You know, you're, you, we talked about having those moments, right? You're, you're, you need to be kind of pulled up from your bootstraps. What, what gets you there? What brings you up? Well, I'm, I've always been a really active reader and um, researcher. So I, I tend to read like a lot of different books from many, many, many different disciplines, mm. whether they, um, they be business books, like good to great is considered, considered like a Bible in uh, business strategy, uh, Jim Collins, um, and people like Jack Welch, who I think is born under the same astrological sign as myself, Scorpio. Um, I found him very fascinating and I, I would read not everything that he wrote, but I read a lot of stuff 
that he wrote. And he really did have a huge influence on me. Donald Trump, I mean, before he was president, I read a lot of stuff that he had published because he he has a very unique um, capability around, you know, success. Whether you agree with his politics is a completely different thing, but from a business standpoint, he's done some amazing things. And like you said earlier, right, you're not always going to be popular. Yeah. But it yeah. might be the right decision. And so I just draw from many, many different disciplines and I see if I can take something that I can apply in a different way. And the other thing is a women presidents organization, which I, I belong to for a good portion of my career. I wish I had belonged to them earlier in my career, especially when I started my business, because at that time I needed the most support. And Women Presidents Organization is made up of women CEOs, majority owned uh, women businesses who are essentially like a board for each other. They have like chapters and you go to these meetings and you share your business issues, your business problems. And, and there's a methodology for solving those problems, bringing a lot of different minds and opinions. And uh, and if I had had that support earlier in my business, there was a particular point in time in the life cycle of my business where I probably should have sold my business and I didn't because I didn't have the experience and knowledge to understand that as good as I was doing, I thought it wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. I thought it wasn't good enough, but from a marketplace and from a, you know, from a, potential purchasers perspective, I probably would have maximized my, 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 uh, my price at that point in time. So, so that's another area. So you just use, you use different tacts that speak to you. Mm -hmm. And then I, you know, I want to do a shout out to my husband, Jonathan, Jonathan Murphy. He's run some large businesses, you know, uh, 20, 30, 40, $80 million businesses and I just find talking to him when I have a problem or issue, he just, he typically confirms my mindset, but sometimes he also pushes me in terms of those difficult decisions, which are not popular, those difficult conversations, which are really not comfortable. They're very uncomfortable. And yeah, he, uh, he inspires me a lot and he, he pushes me. Fantastic. Different, lots of different things. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, like we were saying earlier, right? That's so important because I think sometimes if we're just reading or we're just listening to the things that are in our space, we're not opening our mind to what's really out there. And, and like you say, you can take some of them and use them. And if they don't work for you, just let them fall away. Yeah. But you have to expand, right? Absolutely. So as we wrap up today, what are three things you could leave our, our listeners with in terms of something that they could do to be successful right away within their organization? Or just even as a as a, a leader in general, not even necessarily within their organization, just as a leader. The first thing is you have to have very, 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 very clearly defined goals. Mm. Um, I was looking at a performance measurement framework for one of my clients, and I was surprised by how generic and esoteric the goals were. They were not specific at all. Mm-hmm. So if you have fuzzy goals, you're going to have fuzzy results. Mm. So make your goals very precise. And focus and meditate on those goals, you know, whatever that means, if it, if it means, you know, uh, putting a photograph in your, in your journal or your, your meeting, uh, meeting minutes notebook or putting it on your screensaver, 
just focus on those goals, almost become obsessive about them. Because when you're obsessive about your goals, again, you start drawing information from different sources to help you to achieve them. Mm-hmm. The second thing is um, realize that no matter how good things are, they're not going to stay that way forever. Nothing stays the same. So on the other side, when things are really going bad and, you know, especially in a business and you feel like, oh, I don't even know I'm, I'm going to survive the next month. Just realize that as bad as it's, it's gotten, it, it actually will get better. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's both sides. So never get too cocky. Never believe like, oh, you know, the revenue is rolling in. I can just, I can just spend, 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 you know, you know, I can start hiring more people here, but because I'm just, I'm just assuming that I'm going to keep, uh, keep getting that revenue in. No, you have to always plan for the worst, always plan for the worst. And then, um, and then usually reality is much better than the worst, but if you plan for it and you have a contingency plan, you have a continuity plan and you have a mindset that doesn't, okay, you get excited when you have achievements, you have to celebrate them. You have to reward your people, all of that good stuff, but you got to realize that nothing stays the same. And you have to have that um, that spirit of cha- of change and transformation within yourself. Because if you don't, life is going to hit you pretty hard, and you're not going to at some point be able to get up. And that's very important for your business, whether it's a an entrepreneurial business, a you know a small medium sized owned business, or even a large corporation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. It's been so great having you on here, Marianne. I really appreciate it. And uh, so if I'm listening and I don't know where to find you, where can we find you? Well, um, you can find me a number of places. Uh, You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, You can find me also on YouTube um, uh, at the Masad Method, which is my YouTube channel um, all about entrepreneurship and leadership. Um, You can find me on um, Amazon. Uh, with my book, Move from Employee to CEO of my uh, of Your Own Destiny. And you can also find me um, on our website, which is www.nosisync.com. So those are a bunch of places where uh, you can find me. And if you need uh, um, advice or help, especially from a technology standpoint, um, and especially if you're looking to uh, save money, cut, cut costs, create efficiencies, We've, we've worked with some of the biggest companies in the world and all over the world. And we're all about results fast, not talk. Awesome. Well, congratulations again. It was so great to have you. And uh, thanks again. And we'll see everyone next week on This Marketing Show. Thanks for joining us for this episode of This Marketing Show. If you enjoyed today's show, please like, share, and subscribe to get the latest B2B insights to help you market and sell to win.